and good morning. Happy Tuesday, or as uh, as I've been calling it lately, Happy Taco Tuesday. Today, August 6, 2019, I'm back to you live on my way to work. Welcome to Morning Talk. I know it's been a little while since I dropped an episode. Um, so, for us here in Canada, for most of us, it was a long weekend with yesterday being a civic holiday. So, this is my return to the work week right now. Had a lot planned. And also, at the same time, wanted to take some time for myself. That didn't really end up happening with plans, barbecues, helping friends move, and having to be a designated driver. So much fun. Um, But anyways, all this to say, been a little caught up, been a little busy. Also, rethinking a few things. Uh, But I'm back. So you can still expect to hear some morning talks in the morning. Um, The amount I will be putting out will be less I'm looking at putting two a week to address some of the main topics in sports. But if you you have enjoyed my sit-downs and conversations with special guests, whether it be with my man uh, G that I put out last week or with with, uh, Justin from 613 Sports, follow him him for more details. So if you did enjoy that, I've seen uh, a few people actually listening to that a little more. Uh, expect to get more of these. I'm expecting once a week once or every two weeks, have a sit down, really, really have a good uh, sports conversation or sports debate. Uh, as I said, I've uh, been uh, rethinking a few things. Really, what I mean is working on some other things. Hence the reason why I'm not putting some out every morning. But with all that said, let's move on to the topics at hand. Uh, it's going to be a quick morning talk here today. I just really want to touch briefly on a few things before I move on. So Ezekiel Elliott still holding out, still hasn't presented himself to training camp. Uh, and I talked last week about Jerry Jones, some of the comments he made. seems to me it's just negotiation tactics. Uh, we're still waiting to see the contract that Dax Prescott's going to get and if Amari Cooper is going to get signed, which we all expect to get done soon. But uh, as, for, uh, as for Zeke, it will be interesting to see... Uh, if he continues to hold out, and if he does, what the impact will be on the team? Everybody keeps referencing the Emmett, uh, Emmett, the Emmett Smith uh, holdout. I mean, if we all recall, Dallas started the season with two losses, and then, of course, they ended up getting the deal done. Will that be the same case this year? I don't think so. Looking at their schedule and looking at the team. I believe the team is good enough to kind of withstand a couple weeks. And now it becomes a question of, you know, a question of will. And we know that uh, Zeke is going to be missing out on a lot of money for every game he misses. So I can't wait to see who's going to fold first. And I want to say it's going to be Zeke, but yeah, I think it really all depends on how the team, how the team performs without him. Especially seeing the fact that the team, the the team's offense is built around them. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, as I said, I predict that Zeke will probably fold. Because uh, one thing you realize with a lot of these young players who are trying to be more business savvy, make some decisions to kind of take control of their careers, they want to play. So, these guys want to play. And I think once regular season starts and all his friends and other peers are competing... 
and he's seeing highlight reels. He's seeing Odell Beckham Jr. balling in uh, in in Cleveland and seeing Saquon Barkley being crowned. Maybe again projecting here, crowned the best running back in the game. I think he'll probably entice Zeke to to come back and maybe compromise a little bit on um, what his original goal is for these negotiations. But yeah, uh, I'll stay tuned to see exactly what happens with that. I'm just intrigued more than anything, so time will tell. Um, staying with the NFL, Tom Brady got a two-year extension. That's seeing him make $30 million next year and $32 million the following year. However, the deal also includes a renegotiating clause, which pretty much means that that deal is pretty much a year, a one-year deal that kind of gets voided the moment the, the, the moment the, the season starts. And then from there, they get to renegotiate the, renego- sorry, Brady gets to renegotiate his contract. This is nothing new for Tom Brady. Brady has done this for quite some time. And it's just, again, another, another example of, uh, of him being a great leader, but also another example of what the Patriots stand for. Uh, the man is clearly the greatest quarterback of all time. And yet, he's still putting a deal which doesn't make him the highest paid quarterback. And on top of that, he's leaving room to renegotiate his contract to take less money to show guys that winning is still the priority, that helping the organization, making compromises on his end, financial compromise for Tom Brady in order to help the team acquire more assets to help their ability to win. Now... Uh, now, again, it's not big news here, but, you know, when it comes to Tom Brady and the Patriots, of course, uh, a lot tends to be made of of their situation, uh, of what's going on. But again, like I say, I don't see much of a big deal here. Um, it's really just Brady doing what he's been doing over the, over the last 10 years, putting the team first and pretty much just setting the example for the young rookies or the newer players on the team that, listen... I don't want guys to feel any different. I'm no different than any other guys. And I think priorities change throughout the years. And sometimes, whether it be a receiver, whether it be a, 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 a D-line guard, whatever it is, if that needs to shift the priorities, then Brady is setting the example by being the first to, you know, take a take a hit uh, financially, contractually. And and what better what better example of leadership can you get than that? Uh, next up, moving over to the NBA, um, got to show some love. Vince Carter, Vince Carter got re-signed, re-signed with the Atlanta Hawks for one more year, and with that, Carter has announced that he will retire after 22 seasons in the league, which sees him surpass Dirk Nowinski, Tim Duncan, KG. Uh, We've all had 21 seasons with 21 seasons in the league, and now Vince joins that list, but of course adds to it. 22 years, great career. I uh, couldn't be happier for him. Um, it, it, I've, I've said this. Uh, I've said this many times. I think we could have seen an amazing era of basketball in the 90s. I think. There was not a lot of guys like Kobe who had to drive the discipline 
really be great and stay, stay great consistently. And I truly believe that had that been the case, we could have seen an amazing era of talent, a plethora of talent in the NBA. And Vince Carter was one of those, one of those guys uh, that I felt could have led that charge. But great season overall. Really happy to see uh, how this goes. It's funny how this goes to my next segment. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the fans receive him, knowing that it's his last year. I expect it to be a farewell tour for all the memories and all the great things that Vince has brought to the game. I've said this many times. Vince is the reason I started watching basketball. His highlights captivated me and really draw me into the game. And if not just for that, I know that he's done. he's had that same impact, if not a deeper one, for many young players, many young Canadian players who now find themselves in living their dreams in the league. And we see the impact of that in the NBA with the number of Canadian players being drafted every year, the number of Canadian players currently playing in the league, and also just the number of international players general who are not only looking to make it to the NBA, but making it in the league and making a big impact. So big shout out to uh, Vince and the Atlanta Hawks having a great young nucleus. I cannot wait to see exactly how this turns out. It might be interesting, and with it being in the East, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks make a run for playoffs. Now, I have to talk about this next topic. You know this one was coming up. So on Friday, Carmelo Anthony went on first take where he sat down with Stephen A. Smith. So the first hour of first take uh, saw it being a one-on-one sit-down conversation with Stephen A. Smith. With Carmelo talking on uh, a range of things, uh, mainly including free agency, uh, Carmelo's pass, and what he's willing, what his role will be, and what he's willing to do in order to get back in the league. Um, so I listened to the whole interview. It was a great interview. First of all, great job by Stephen A. Stephen A. asked some very good questions, and I think my take from it is uh, is that Melo came up very genuine, very honest, uh, professional. I would even say some great PR, some PR prep. I'm sure. However, however. I couldn't help but to mirror the same sentiment Max Kellerman did. Max Kellerman talked about the fact that Melo may may not be realistic about his current role or his talent in the NBA right now. And I think there's someone that came off in the interview. Uh, Of course, Stephen A. had asked him if he felt that there's any 15-man roster in the NBA that are better than him, meaning any... 15 players in the NBA team. Melo made sure to be very cautious with his words, saying that's not the case. But what he's saying was, and I quote, you mean to tell me I can't make a 15-man roster? Um, and, you know, it makes a good point. But the problem now becomes the sacrifice that Melo needs to make if he's willing to make that sacrifice and understanding that what the role really means. Now, I think it's been evident to many of us that Melo needs to take a backseat, needs to really consider taking a bench role and embracing that role. And I think, truthfully, we just haven't seen it. 
Uh, we still remember the famous press conference. Uh, Kim Rickhoff as Houston or KC were a reporter had asked Melo how he would feel about taking uh, coming off the bench, and he laughed off the idea of coming off the bench. And I know speaking for myself, that robbed me the wrong way because the truth is I know that at this point, Melo should have realized that this potentially could be how he's best served and how he can best serve a team. And the fact that he wasn't even open to it, that he saw this as a joke, to me told me that maybe he wasn't ready or willing to make the sacrifices needed in order to help a team. Um, Stephen A doing a great job. I also asked him a question about... Uh, how Melo uh, was saying that, you know, he was immature at times with him not making better decisions and for better decisions, putting him in a winning situation. He talked about, in a sense, the pressure of uh, everything around him. And Stephen A called him out saying, hey, listen, you got a friend in LeBron James, the most polarizing athlete in the world. Chris Paul, who's a former president of the Basketball Players Association, and Dwayne Wade, who's a seasoned veteran on the All-Star and a superstar in this league for years. And pretty much Stephen A. saying, you have all these guys at your disposal. Uh, why hasn't there been a conversation? Melo answered it by saying, of course, he's had conversations with LeBron, conversations with Chris Paul and D. Wade about this. However, he felt he couldn't rely on... Uh, on these guys to handle his problem and I'm paraphrasing of course and it's very understandably so now in addition Stephen A had asked him of course about the big question the farewell tour so of course last week this topic came out does Melo deserve a farewell tour and it appears that this is the main reason why Carmelo went on first day to really shut the narrative down because that question came up as there was reports that people within Melo's camp say Melo would be open to a farewell tour. Uh, so Melo came on first take to kind of change the narrative, I assume, but I think we all know at the same time is really him. I mean, also asking for a job. I mean, saying that he's willing to make those sacrifices. I don't want to say pleading because he wasn't begging, but in a sense, he was pretty much asking to secure his job. I mean, at least that's what I got from it. But even before the, the interview, uh, when the question came up, the answer to me was yes, Melo does deserve a farewell tour. Um, and one thing that's clear is I heard Stephen A. Smith state saying, oh, he hasn't won a championship. I don't think a farewell tour has ever been about championship. I think the farewell tour has always been the fan, the fans, you know, recognizing what a player has accomplished and what they've done, the impact they've had on the game and them showing their appreciation. And I think Carmelo has certainly accomplished a lot. I've certainly left a lot of memories for us. And look, I've been one to be very critical of Melo. I've called him a cancer at times, especially uh, over the last three years about how things were handled in New York and really about the failure that the OKC and the Houston experiment have been. So I'm not going to back, back step on that. But what I will say is, this doesn't take away from his accomplishment. It doesn't take away from him being one of the greatest scorers in the in the history of the game. It doesn't take away from what he's accomplished with USA basketball. So with that said, Melo to me does deserve a farewell tour. 
And again, it's the fans that decides this. The same way I made that, I just made the point five minutes earlier about Vince Carter very much deserving the uh, should get a farewell tour. I feel the same about Carmelo. So we'll see how the fans react to it. I expect it to be as such. Of course, this this would only happen should he get picked up. I'm predicting he will get picked up. I hope that if he does get picked up, it's not early in the season. It's either close to the trade deadline after the All-Star game, uh, but late in the season. And I say this for for a couple reasons. The reason I say that is if Melo is still the problem that we, if, if any team has doubts that Melo may still be the problem that he was previously not accepting his role not really not really uh contributing to a high effect then hopefully not bringing him in in the early in the beginning of the season will not focus the narrative on that and also he will allow that team and their core players to really build the chemistry play a certain way so in this way Melo really has to come in and fit in right and also, I think it's just a matter of basketball. I mean, we've seen a lot of load management, uh, keeping them fresh, keeping them off the court for the first half of the season, if not more, will give you more longevity out of a veteran player like Melo. Will give you more energy should you make playoff with a player like Melo. So I think it's just beneficial both ways. Uh, he still stays in shape. We, he's talked about him training and him training other players, embracing his new role in the NBA. Uh, one thing that caught my eye, caught my ear in the interview was how he talked about that he loved the game, but there was a time he felt like the game, the game didn't love him back. And although it's completely different, I just couldn't help to feel this was reminiscent of Jeremy Lin's latest, latest uh, sit down when he talked about the depression he's been dealing this free agency, feeling like the, the league gave up on him. And... Melo said the same thing, but nobody made that correlation. And I'm sure Melo doesn't want that. And as I mentioned, it is completely two different things, but it's interesting how we're not just focusing on that mental aspect of the game, or at least the mental aspect that the game and free agency and the pressure that comes with it has on these players. Uh, with that said, um, he said he a thousand percent would love to play with LeBron said that his team had reached out to Lakers and the Clippers. This only tells me that these teams either are not interested or not ready to take on a Melo. Uh, to the point I made, I would hope that if a team is looking to do so, that they would be in talks with his team, uh, making it very clear that, listen, we are interested, but it won't be early. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But I do think Melo's going to get picked up. That's really what I wanted to talk about. But before I go, a little shout out time. I know I've been saying this for some time, but I finally got to see it. You know what it is, Lion King. So the live-action Disney movie. Lion King's always been my favorite Disney movie. Um, and I got to say, it was great. Doesn't feel like two hours. Uh, if you're ready to sing along on some songs that marked your childhood, it's going to be great. For makes for a great date night. You and your girlfriend get sing along. Boyfriend, whatever that may be. Um, also... Also, the graphics were great. Movie was well done. Uh, you know, before I even watched the movie, of course, there was a lot of reactions, a lot of things, spoilers online. There's no spoilers, people. The movie is exactly the same as you remember it. Um, if anything, I think it might have been a little shorter. And also, if you haven't seen it, what's wrong with you? It's 2019. Get some purpose in your life. 
What better purpose than Lion King? <laughs> um, I say this jokingly, but I'm very serious. But the uh, movie was great. The two feedback that I heard about the movie before even seeing it, uh, the two bad reviews that I've heard was uh, the first being that how the graphics were too real, that it felt more like planet Earth, like National Geographic. First of all, it said live action. So I knew exactly what I was walking into. And I guess some people made the, the difference between what is it, the Jungle Book that they made a live action movie for years ago. And it felt more comical. It didn't feel as real. So I guess I can understand that. But for me, it really was nothing big. I thought the only thing really is the hyenas look very ugly and gross. But other than that, it, the movie just felt real, just felt very authentic. And they did a great job with the graphics, CGI, whatever it is they did. Uh, applause to them. The other feedback I heard was Beyonce, how her voice fit into the movie. Luckily enough, Beyonce only sang, as part of the musical, only one big song. I did feel like her voice overpowered the song a little bit, but it wasn't enough to leave a bad taste in my mouth. It didn't do a bad job. Other than that, her I mean, her voiceover wasn't bad at all. Um, overall, great movie. Strongly recommended. I give it a strong 8 out of 10. Uh, two minutes in the movie, I crowned it best movie ever. I'll leave it to you to, uh, to make that decision. But that's it for me. That's shout out time. Thank you all again for joining in. As I always say, happy Taco Tuesday. Uh, hope you guys enjoy your week. Have a great week. Hope you enjoyed the sun. Top of the morning.